It's time to get after it. You're going to jam your legs down and hyperextend your ankles and then shoot back up and lock your knees in place. Not one of those things sounds right to me. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Upper Left Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Anderson. Today on the show, Ryan Connor joins me. Ryan is a gym owner and coach at Takeover Sports and Fitness in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where he services many middle and high school athletes in the area, getting them right and giving them a timing-based approach to speed um, and a very interesting look at unilateral versus bilateral uh, work in the weight room as well. Um, Connor just does a beautiful job taking some concepts uh, from Pat Davidson, Adarian Barr, uh, PRI, and the like, and applying them in a setting with younger children. He does an excellent job servicing their needs. Uh, really took a lot away from this podcast, in particular, uh, his approach to uh, viewing speed through the lens of timing and why that's so important. Uh, that really changed kind of my thought process on uh, what I'm looking for in young athletes when teaching them speed work. Um, Ryan has seven years experience in the field and it is very evident in this podcast as he kind of takes us through what he's doing with the kids in the Pennsylvania area. Uh, so again, this is Ryan Connor, Takeover Sports and Fitness. Hope you all enjoy. Let's get to it. Ryan, uh, really great having you in here on the show today. Um, really appreciate your time. Uh, for those that don't know, I'll let Ryan describe himself, but Ryan is a, uh, Ryan is a gym owner and coach out of the uh, Philadelphia area. But Ryan, I'll let you uh, have the floor and give me a little more uh, background on all of that. Sure. So I just realized a little bit ago, I'm going on year seven of training. Um, so coming up on year seven and year one in my gym. So I've had the gym now since last March and uh, it's been going really well. I have a small space, but it's been fun. Um, mostly focused on speed training and uh, everything that comes along with that. Um, also in the performance space, so just helping athletes get better is, is my overall focus with, a, with I would say, a, a, narrowed, a narrowed focus in speed. I really like that too, man, because I feel like we're starting to see a shift in, um, in strength and conditioning and, and what we can provide. And I think for a long time, it was just put more weight on the bar, squat it, you know, uh, and that we're going to get faster because force production and reasons, um, exactly, you know, but, yeah. uh, but, but that's really interesting. And I like that you're doing that. It, I think it takes a lot more work on the front end as a coach, um, because it's just so much, so much more technical than, than the lifting side of things. But once you get it ingrained in the kids, I feel like they're going to see maybe even more benefit from that than, than just getting strong. It's true. It's true. And I almost want them to be self-sustaining. I almost want them to be their own speed coach. So that's why we go through so much video analysis. That's why they see what they're doing. Um, I, I don't want them to need me to get faster. I really don't. Um, yeah, you, I noticed you used a ton of video. So kind of take me through the process of like, what are you saying to them? When are you saying it? Um, and obviously it can be different for every kid and stuff, but what's kind of like some general guidelines you're following when you're, when you're queuing stuff up for these young athletes? Yeah, I think everywhere, every, everything I start with comes back to timing. So timing is like the, the biggest thing I learned from it. You know, we're going to talk about a Darian bar, I'm sure. So that was the yeah. biggest thing I, I, I learned from him right away. Um, just getting the kids timed up a little bit better. And when I say timing, I mean, um, from the lower and the upper half. So arriving at top positions, arriving at bottom positions at the same time, same rate of speed, things like that. Um, things that the elites do very well. 
um, that slower people might not. Um, so just really diving into timing, and you can really just see that with slow motion video. So that's the biggest thing I've seen um, to help the kids is, has been just showing them on video where, where their timing is off and really just starting there. And then I, I really just try to focus on one or two things per session to get them a, further to, further along than they were when they walked in. Um, I try not to fill their heads with too much stuff and keep it as natural as possible because they need to take it to the field themselves. Yeah, 100%, man. I, I think I like the way you're looking at it with that too because I think when I first got into speed training and I, I work with a few young athletes now, I was so concerned with positions being hit that I can freeze frame you know, and yes. uh, be like, oh, look at this. I hit this great position. But then if I if I realize as I'm looking at the video following a session and I'm like so happy that they've hit this position, I look at what happens after they've hit it. And I'm like, well, that doesn't look very good. Like yeah. that didn't that didn't get me where I wanted to be afterwards, you know? Yes, exactly. So we, we definitely look at those positions and then we look at how we got there for sure. Yeah. And then, and then what we did with it. So you got a good position, but did you do anything with it? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the great thing you're talking about with Adarian, and we'll dive in a little more in a minute on him, but he just, he get that timing aspect, like we can, we can, if the timing is there, we might hit some positions that don't look like the positions that we're always seeing on Instagram or like positions that we're always being told to hit, but I felt like even in my own sprint training, because I've been doing a lot of this on my own, I'm hitting positions that I never hit like last year or when I started this thing. And they're not positions that I think a lot of coaches would like to see, but it doesn't matter because I'm smoother and faster now. My timing's better because I'm using gravity. I'm doing all the things that Adarian's talking about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I see that a lot. I think the biggest thing I see with that would uh, would probably be just the, just the focus on acceleration alone. And, you know, some of the things you see people trying to achieve in acceleration and, um, you know, what happens to their next step after that. I mean, the, the biggest thing is, you know, the triple extension. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk yeah. about that. But, uh, you know, flying out into triple extension and then just completely stalling out in the air. And it's really cool that you achieve that. But, you know, how are we getting into your next step? Yeah, and that's so – I didn't know too much about Adarian. And I knew there was something to him on Instagram. But Adarian just – he doesn't care what anyone thinks. And so on Instagram, he just writes in his own language. And I'm like, what the hell is this guy talking about? And I – I knew you were doing some of the stuff, so I hit you up, and this was, yep. what, like six, five, six months ago, and we talked about it. I think it. so, yeah. And I think the way you described triple extension, I don't know if you remember exactly what you said, but the way you described it for for kids was so good. Um, can you can you kind of reiterate that a little bit, if you remember? I could definitely try. I was probably a lot smarter back then. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think what I said was the, the triple extension thing is something we, we push too hard for. And it's something that just a lot of athletes can't really achieve or they can't do anything with. It's probably the better the better way to put it. And I think the thing that I, I told you is they're just not fast enough to be up that high in the air. To They don't have the strength. They don't have the speed to cycle their legs quickly from that position. Um, their back leg extends and then stalls, so it just stays there. It stays in extension for a little longer than it should. Uh, these are things you can see on some some high speed video or some low speed video as well, just slowing things down. Um, yeah, things like that. So stalling out's the big thing for me. It's it's the big opening up of the triple extension, uh, opening up too fast, and then just not being fast enough to get into your next step. Yeah, and and you know I know Darian's recently been talking a lot about, and we talked about this with Connor Harris last time on the show too, uh, falling and allowing gravity to do the work for you. 
I feel like when you get into that, when you're trying to make the triple extension your only goal, you're at the point when you get to that end range that you're just pushing so hard, you're not letting gravity do much work for you. And that's an, and, and you're popping up because you just get to that end range like right away, you know? Um, Definitely. And, and I'm sure you're seeing the same thing, but I mean, it just, when I, when I look at that, I'm like, okay, yeah, I hit a great position there, but we didn't do anything with it afterwards. Like, because we pushed so hard, you know, with that front side action, we never let the backside get involved until it was too late, right? Yes. Yeah. I would say that besides that um, posture and the timing and um, trying to stay out of triple extension for some people has just been the biggest the biggest things for me, uh, especially with the age group I coach. So I should probably I should probably talk a little bit about the age group I coach because it would make a little more sense. So I'm <laughs> I'm in the uh, I'm in like the 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 range is my majority of my clients. I have you know um, some higher level college kids I train and and on past that but uh those are the that's the real focus i have so that's a that's a time where they're going through a lot of change and they're growing they're going through a lot of change in their lives overall so things are different now and they have to do things a little bit differently and and helping them through that process has has been the most rewarding part of this for sure mm-hmm. and and I, well, I let's just stand that for a second i i do you, you mentioned they're changing and everything i've worked with a couple athletes here for the past year in tacoma as a side gig uh, worked with a, I think it's a 13-year-old now, and then a 16-year-old who is 6'4", and a, a female. Or, you know, just wow. ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Yep. Every time I see them, it's almost like it's a new body for them every time, you know? Yep. It's, sometimes I've had to completely start all over again with some of my, my, you know, the stuff we do. It's not that they've forgotten it. The body just yeah. all of a sudden is different, either be it hormonally or in terms of stature or whatever. It's crazy, man. And I can't imagine, yeah. like... You're, you're seeing that every day with a bunch of people, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as long as – and this is the best part about timing. As long as you have the basis of timing and you understand kind of where you should be and when, it's really easy when you hit those growth spurts to just reacquire your timing. You're, you're now – your limbs are a little bit longer. Um, they're further away distally. Like you just have to think about those things mechanically. I, I love the way <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I love the, the lens you're looking at this through with timing, man because – uh, I'm still kind of assembling how I'm looking at this, you know, it's all still kind of new for me. Um, yeah. You know, Darian's concepts and everything. So when we talk about timing, I think I know where you're going with it, but tell me for some of the, what are some of the things you're looking for, especially in acceleration? I feel like acceleration is just, if we do that correctly, a lot of what happens on the back end with Max V kind of takes care of itself. Now, maybe that's a overly simplistic view of it for me. But I think with the type of athletes we're working with, that's going to be more important anyway, right? Sure. Sure. So what I, I think what I'm trying to do is trying to give people who maybe aren't as genetically gifted uh, some of the gifts that genetically gifted people have, <laughs> um, which is timing. And, and it comes back to that. So these these people that are elite athletes, these people that are great sprinters, they just kind of do this stuff, right? And this is the thing that you've seen, obviously, if, you've look, if, you, if you're looking at higher level sprinters and elite athletes. Um, they just kind of do this stuff. They don't know why they just, they just do it and it's served them very well. So for someone who isn't as genetically gifted, uh, the timing aspect of getting to the top position, the bottom position, hitting the floor, um, hitting the floor at when you should, your arm coming down when it should, uh, these things are very important and they, and they, you know, provide efficiency and efficiency 
if you can increase efficiency, you can increase speed, right? So just making them arrive to their top position with their arms and their legs is probably the, the quickest fix I've seen. So getting their hand, getting their arm, getting them to think about their backside arm and their backside leg kind of swinging through their hip at the exact same time to arrive at that top position so they can come back down together. Um, I think that is like the number one focus on timing for me. And then I, I, I'm reading Joel Smith's uh, speed strength right now, and obviously he's heavily influenced by Darian. And then uh, I guess another component to this would be so that you talk about that backside arm swinging up with the backside leg, right? And then yep. as we come yep. down, back the, and that backside leg is now the front side leg. As the front side leg begin, begins to descend and go into stance, we want to see that front side contralateral arm also coming down and hitting like that hip area as soon as we hit ground contact correct is that kind of something else you're looking for that's exactly right yep okay that's exactly okay. right and that's definitely something you'll see you'll see in the elite guys um and girls and then sometimes you just won't see it in in the less less gifted athletes and it's just it's something that you can work on it's something that you can improve uh, and it's something that i think if it does click for you you can be successful and you can you know hold your own against some of those people so are you cueing them or just using video to kind of show like what are, how are they figuring it out like after you show them on a video how are they figuring out how to improve it that's the trick i mean that's the coaching aspect of things so yeah i mean if you're looking at a front side leg maybe you're not really thinking about what's going on on the back side of his other leg mm -hmm. right so we see you're in a good position with your front side leg now um how are you bringing that leg down are you bringing it down first while your back leg's still attached, or are we removing our back leg and replacing it with our front side one? So we see some front side issues, but there's stuff that's happening on the back side that's causing those things. So I guess kind of making them more aware of which which end of it to time up better has been the biggest thing. So some people are, you know, early early to the top. Some people are late to the top. So I guess trying to trying to get them to feel which end of that they they need to time up is uh mm -hmm. is the benefit so if the if the backside for example is still on the ground then you're just going into a darian's basic remove and replace concept is that correct yeah remove and replace uh posture timing these are the these are the big three things for for the kids in the age group i train definitely mm -hmm. and remove and replace has, has been a really nice one too and i think uh that gets misconstrued because it's so important with how the foot is set up right so mm -hmm. We're, we're teaching these athletes also to have a more active foot, uh, more active lower leg complex and all that. Um, we want that to, to be the case, and that provides a better removal of the backside leg. Uh, we don't get glued to the floor through the big yeah. toe. Um, we're able to peel that foot off the right way. We're proactive yeah. with how we peel it off, right? We're not just letting our lower body go through a cycle. We're proactive in telling our body the cycle. That transverse arch, man, is just so key. Uh, it is. It's very powerful. He, yeah, as soon as he taught me that, like you just have a little more spring right off the jump. Right off the jump, yep. you're like, oh, like I can get in and out of the ground much more efficiently and quickly. And, and I think that just goes even further to show you like if we focus less on that pushing action through the ground and we just allow things to happen a little more with a transverse arch and remove and replace, that triple extension that we're forcing kind of goes away a little bit, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Yeah. Um, and things speed up because of it. And that's the name of the game. We're trying to speed things up, right? And then the other the other weird thing about timing, just because you, you brought something up there that, that made me think of this. The other weird thing about timing 
is that you have more time than you think. And that's the crazy part. So I think we try to force things for, for the aspect of speed. We're trying to do things faster. But I think to time things up, you can actually be a little more patient, which is weird to think about. I, I So I agree, uh, anecdotally speaking. Like, I used to be such a pusher and so frontside dominant. But I feel like it threw my timing off so much. I was in such a hurry to make things happen. I had to, like, yes. almost restart runs, like, five to seven or eight yards in like my fourth step i'd be like oh shit like i have to reset everything because i you know did felt stumble lost my timing whatever you know um right so if now, we're if we're yeah. go ahead sorry no, no 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 go ahead go ahead go ahead yeah so if we're if we're looking at stuff like the nfl combine and how important like your first one two three four five steps are before you start your rise like that's big right yeah if we're you know if we're overextending if we're pushing too hard we're trying to make things happen like if if those steps are so key in getting us to that top speed then then we're really missing the boat right yeah yeah and i feel like um you know if we if we do miss that boat like i said i mean you almost feel like you have to re-accelerate eight yes. to ten yards down the down the line meanwhile as i've switched over to some some of vidarian's concepts i feel like by the time i hit 10 yards i'm like holy shit like i'm flying now I, again let's not get it twisted guys <laughs> me flying is, you know, maybe breaking a five second 40, but it feels great to me. So you yes, know. <laughs> yes, it does feel great. I would have to agree with that. I wouldn't say I'm fast, but I'm, I'm faster than I was. Dude, maybe we'll do a little, we'll do a little uh, competition one of these days, you know, East coast versus West coast. See you, uh, see. Oh, that'd uh... be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm down. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll do um, a little uh... Tupac versus Biggie. Dude, I know. We can start beefing too. You gotta bring you gotta bring <laughs> your crew though, man. My crew runs deep, so <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Um uh No man, yeah, so I, I do I think the it's a little more complicated because it's not how we have been kind of molded to think about speed. Um Yeah. But I think you especially, man, I really like everything you've said and have said in the past about Adarian's concepts. They uh, I think Adarian's an amazing teacher. I've watched him like take like the twelve year old I work with and like teach him something I could have never taught him, you know. And I thought it was really yep. impressive. And like he taught it in like ten minutes, and it looked like he the kid was struggling the whole time to to pick it up. And then all of a sudden, boom, he just magically got it. Like I just couldn't. I've never really seen anyone coach like that. I really liked it. But yeah. But um, on the flip side, you know, I'm, I've been thinking this whole time, like, okay, like, I only have a couple kids to work with. Like, eventually I'm going to be in a position where I'll probably have some other kids, and I just need to get this, you know, what what kind of lens do we need to look at? Where do we need to start? And I love that you're saying timing is where we need to start. Um, yep. Because it allows us to use video, which I think is great. Uh, and, and it gives us, like, very good practical, practical use of the video. Um, and it just – it. Yeah, just I, I think kids are gonna resonate with timing. I just I for some reason I think that that really works in my head. You know, it does. It does, and it's just it's again I'm, I keep going back to this, but it's just something that really good athletes do, and it's just something that happens for them. Um, and some of us need to make it happen. Simple yeah. as that. So let's say you do have a kid that comes in and is one of these uh, like pushers, excessively frontside, getting into triple extension. Um, and I, oh, I, let me ask you this. Do you think it matters if we have a low or a high heel recovery and, and or are you going to kind of let that happen as long as the timing's good? 
yeah I, this is something i'm actually struggling through right now really um, okay. to be honest okay. with you yeah yeah um i i can see it both ways so i really i take it i take it from the athlete I, I, I honestly try to individualize it as much as possible. So if it's working for someone, I'm going to let it happen. If it's not working for someone else, I might provide a different strategy. Okay. Okay. I yeah. like, I, I think that makes sense. I, Cause I honestly, like I even hate myself for asking that question. Cause it's extremely reductionist. Like there is no one way to do this. <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, now, I, now but, I don't know who, I don't know who planted this thought in my head, but it made a lot of sense for, a, for a stance on having lower heel recovery. Especially in field and court sports, a lower heel recovery is going to allow you to get your foot in the floor and change directions faster, that's, right? That's exactly so, what I'm thinking, man. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, for field and court sports, I, I, I wouldn't force it, but I definitely wouldn't shy away from that. Yeah. And that, that's so key because, I mean, we're look, we're seeing stuff. You posted yesterday that great retweet about, like, the false step being a more efficient way to get from yep. A to B. Um these repositioning steps on crossovers that Justin Moore is talking about, which is, I mean, it's all true. I mean, we watch any of the great players and people and stuff like that. The things that we're always being said not to do because we're so in love with symmetry and straight lines and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. The, the elite athletes are breaking these rules 24-7 because yeah. they're bad <laughs> rules. <laughs> like they're just yeah. not the way things work. And I feel like the foot, especially – whatever the athlete's going to do to reposition themselves, as long as they're somewhat of a competent athlete, you need to let them have those things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it also goes back to the, to the uh, we could bring into the false step, right? So like you could have a football coach telling, telling his wide receiver. And I have examples of this with some of my guys telling their wide receivers, you know, to eliminate that false step, get rid of it, get rid of it. And then you show, you show them the game film and they're doing it every single step off the line but they're also the, your fastest guy on the team. So it's like, okay, we can coach it, overcorrect it, train to not do it. But when you got to get going and when you're in competition, it's going to happen if that's what you've been tapping into your, the whole time. So it just seems like an enormous waste of time to me. Yeah, I um I used to coach linebackers at a high school and we'd always, you know, have them in their their two-point stance hands on the hands on the thighs, you know, that that, that athletic low position. And oh. they've all you know, that read step. They're always like, "Oh, you got to step forward," you know, on your first read step. And it, it and you watch these guys try to do that in practice, and they're, they're tripping, and they're they're not in they 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 can't get themselves. Like, let's say you got to get over to the left, and they read step forward with their right. Well, now they've read step forward with their right leg, and then they have to lift it and reposition it again to get over to their left, rather than allowing them to step back one step with their right leg. And boom, they're already in a position where they can go to the left. So it takes one yeah. move instead of two. The first one was backwards. I'm sorry that you didn't like that it was away from the play and you you know yeah. makes you look scared or something. But like, come on, <laughs> right. like this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of that mentality still pervades, but it's okay. No, it it is okay. I mean, well, it's not okay to me, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, I hate to say I'm. Um, I'm giving up on that war, but um, I'm I'm trying to find more people like yourself to talk to these days. <laughs> it's all good, man. I I allow my like I'm honestly like a pretty chill, easygoing person, but I care a lot about this field. And when I just see the same stupid shit, and like we just keep put trying to put out material that you know alters this state of mind on some of these things, and it just doesn't change. You're like, 
man, I'm just putting stuff out into the void. Like nobody's nobody's yeah. really like buying into this nonsense. So. Yeah, I know, Jack. I'm jaded at this point, man. I, I care about my kids, and that's pretty much it. I gotta be honest with you. Yeah, if anyone wants to talk to me, that's cool. But it's me and my kids, and that's it. No, that's that's that is really good though, man. I think, um, and you could tell just looking at them and watching like what the stuff you're posting, they're really getting a lot out of what you're doing. Um, and I think that's, that's awesome. Before we move over, I do want to talk a little bit of weightlifting. Um, before yeah. we move over to that though, any, any final thoughts on the whole speed thing? Any, uh, any, you know, final big takeaways or anything like that? <clears throat> you know, I think the biggest takeaway is just, um, letting athletes kind of find, find their own way and not get in the way of your athletes. I think that's the biggest thing. And just giving them little things to work on and remembering that, you know, just like lifting, um, it takes time. You know, it's not, it's not a, a three week, uh, speed camp that you're going to get, you know, tenths of a second off your 40. I mean, it's just going to take you a, a really long time. You're going to have to practice this efficiency to make sure it shows up again and again and again, uh, for it to be, you know, unconscious. So I think patience, um, I think staying out of the way of your athletes sometimes, knowing when to you know push a button here or there, I think that's really the key to speed. That's very well said, man. I like that a lot. It's that's I need to think about that more. We can't just fix someone's mechanics in two sessions. Like, yeah, that's just not the way this goes. And I, <clears throat> I, I think I fall victim to that on the speed side sometimes. So that's very good takeaway for me. I love that. Um, yeah, we all do. Yeah, no, it's that's fantastic though, man. I love it. Do you? Oh, one other thing. Do you do any like timing of your kids, like testing and retesting after certain periods? So I do. I do for some people who it matters for, but for the majority of my kids, that just doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So if I if I have someone preparing for a combine, if I have someone preparing for a showcase, and we need to see numbers, we need to know where you're at, we need to know what we need to fix or where in that band that needs to be improved upon. Um, then yeah, it's important because you need to assess, but. I would say for the majority of the kids, it's it's really not about that. It's just getting them better mechanically, more efficient. Because, like I, like we talked about before, they're going to be coming in, you know, three or four months later down the line, a completely different human if they're going through this this phase in their lives where I train the most people. That's a great point. I li- I like that too. Yeah, because I, I I do I, over. I used to just be like, ah, eh, testing whatever, and now. I do worry sometimes like, look, like I'm bought into specific concepts now and like teaching specific things and it might behoove me to do some testing to make sure what I'm doing is working. But that's yes. just such a mult testing is just such a, there's so many facets that go into why your time is what it is. For sure. It makes me, ner- it makes me a little hesitant sometimes to do that too. You know what I'm saying? It's true. And then along with like the physical change that all my athletes go through, they're also going through like school changes. They're moving up in school. They're Now they're going to high school. It's a little different there. So they're waking up earlier. They're more tired. They come in more stressed out. They have less sleep. They have less nutrition. So those aspects all go into their speed also. So since I'm in such a transitional period, like I train through such a transitional period through a majority of my people, I'm speaking mostly through that lens. But, you know, things change so much day to day that um, it's good to monitor those things with, you know, getting the numbers and seeing where they're at. Um, but there's definitely ways to experiment and do those things and kind of set up, you know, with yourself. So I, I, I usually time myself more than I time anybody else and, okay. and really look at my own stuff. 
Um, I'm, I'm my own lab rat first. So. <laughs> I love that. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it goes through me first. So if it's not making me faster, it's, it might not work for someone else because I'm, I'm really slow already. So I need all the help <laughs> I can get. <laughs> you and me both, man. That's hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah no, uh, that that's great, man. I, I, I do, like I said, I the other reason I say this is I think about Tony Holler a lot. Um, but oh. I got to remember, Tony Holler's track and field at their stopwatch sport. You know, so, yeah, yeah, totally different ball. It's game. true, it's true. If I if I had more track athletes, um, I and I have a few, but if I had more, uh, we'd be tra- uh, training and testing for that a lot, a lot more frequently for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, awesome, man. Thank you for that. That's that's great information. Um, yeah, looking at the weightlifting though, real quick, let's just touch on it. I know. Uh, what do you? What what's kind of obviously you said you're more of speed based um, company over there at Takeover, but. What yeah. are you? Uh, what are you doing on the weightlifting side? Yeah, uh, uh, we do a lot of strength. I mean, people would be shocked by how little speed work we do. Honestly, I think uh, for someone being so focused on speed, um, we don't spend our entire session sprinting. We really don't. Uh, we mm-hmm. hit really good reps. We hit really good um, quality efforts, and we get out of there and we hit the weight room for our preventative and you know our adding to our explosive abilities for for the purposes of speed and and uh the number one overarching goal of our lifting program is just injury prevention i mean that's everyone's overarching goal so that's that's a given um and then anything after that we just try to reinforce anything we're doing with speed so you, you get what you train for so if that's the case then we definitely like to see our barbells move fast we like to see you know certain positions that you might see in um in your gait uh get stronger so that's that's where a majority of our uh, of our strength work comes into play. So, um, are you uh, are you how familiar are we are you with like PRI and everything? Do you like and how they look at gait? Is that are you, is that kind of the lens you're looking at, or what lens are you using? Yeah, a little bit. So this is something I'm kind of learning. I went to rethinking the big patterns last year with Pat nice. Davidson. blew blew my mind. Uh, <laughs> absolutely blew my mind. And honestly, I, I think between that and some of you know what some of the concepts I've been using from Adarian Bar, but just inserting some of the stuff I learned from Pat into the warm up has just uh, been amazing for the kids and their speed and i don't i don't really i don't really fully understand it yet but i'm using it um, <laughs> so it's just been so great to see them kind of feel their glutes the right way for the first time feel yeah, their yeah. abs via reaching uh feeling their hamstrings just with heel reference like things like that have been amazing um so i definitely look at it from that scope but i would not say i'm an expert or anything close to that now, so what What kind of um, – so I, I assume like some of the stuff you're referring is like they're doing like some reset work or establishing sagittal yep. plane competency. Um, yes, that's exactly right. We start so, every session with sagittal plane competency. Yep. Yeah, so like what, do you, what are some of your big go-tos with that? Yeah, we, we throw everybody on the wall. Our first thing we do after our soft tissue work is we throw everybody on the wall. Heels are on the wall. Uh, our walls are covered in footprints. We do a lot of split stand <laughs> stuff with our back heel on the wall. Yeah, it's crazy. Um so everyone spends, you know, first two, three minutes there. We'll hit just normal heels in, hips off the floor, big reach. Then we'll go into some single leg stuff. If it's a, if we're going to do a lateral focus on that day, we'll go into a hip shift from that position. So we're finding some of those frontal plane uh, muscles, um, some of the frontal plane movers, which, you know, I was just made aware of from Pat, which is mm-hmm. awesome. So kind of getting more realistic with what we're training is, is that's huge to me. That's awesome. I love I love that. And you're doing it 
I can already tell, like, by the way you're doing it, you're doing it in a way that, like, boom, you can, they can get it. You don't have to over-explain it. I just need you to feel this muscle. You felt it. Great. Let's move on. Um, yeah. That's that's fantastic. I mean, that's... And, and again, that's just age group, right? So, like, that's just... Yeah. I'm reading my age group. That's my 12, 13, 14-year-olds. They can handle that, and they can get something out of that. Yeah. And, and I love it, too. I noticed, so I just, I, I just finished up a stint in the tactical realm, and we would mm-hmm. do some 90-90 work, and... Uh, and some, you know, either either supine or in a bear position, um, you know, and we'd be telling them, you know, get hamstrings here, get glutes here. I want you to get abs here. So we'd kind of do the same thing. At, at first, it killed me because I'm like, we're not quite where I want us to be, like, positionally. But if they're telling me they feel abs, like, that's a huge win. If they're telling me yes. that they feel glutes, you know, on top of abs, I'm like, wow, okay, that's really good. And, you know, you get that random person that can also feel hamstrings and you're like wow, like, all right, we're yeah. really getting somewhere. And it's like one of those things where I love PRI, but I also understand that in the settings that I've always been in, I can't be a purist because it's just not possible. <laughs> you know, yeah. So. yeah, it's not possible. And it's not, I, I just don't, I don't know if I'm smart enough to be honest. <laughs> it's difficult. Well, it is funny. Cause I talked about this with Connor, who's uh, Connor Harris in the last episode. He's a PRI whiz, and he he just understands yes. positioning so so well. And I was over here, and I, I worked out with him last week or something like that. And he's like, "Oh no, dude! Like you're that one's wrong, that one's wrong, and that one's wrong." And I'd been doing them wrong, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like I didn't yep. even realize like I'm not good at these. <laughs> you know? so, yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And I, I hope I'm not giving away too much of uh, Pat's presentation, so everyone should go see. Uh, see pat for rethinking the big patterns too but uh one of the <laughs> things he talks about is like you know getting people to breathe in in correspondence to their infrasternal angle yes. and the, the one thing he says with in regards to that i remember someone asked him you know what if someone's doing the opposite they're breathing the opposite way he was like well it's kind of like pizza right like it's still good you're still doing like good things you know what i mean so even if it's not 1000 percent on point and you're not hitting every single position and, and angle and breathing pattern i think you're still doing something really good and that's that's good to hear because i'm kind of diving into infrasternal angles right now and i'm realizing like we can make this even more specific for the individual by using them but i still don't understand shit about them so so i know that these as that's good to hear that the general concepts as long as we are getting and this is you know basic pr principle as long as we are getting air in a 360 degree uh, fashion to the rib cage. So every angle of the rib cage, we can get air into. I yep. think we're doing something right. You know, we're exactly. We're, How could we that also, be bad? Exactly. And we also know by being right side dominant, our right rib cage is going to be stiffer. So if I can get some left abs, which I never get and shut down the left <laughs> side and then get air to the rib cage on the right, I'm doing something yep. good, whether or not that person is a wider and narrow infrasternal angle, you know, exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. Yep. But no, man, this is this has been great. So, right before, before I let you go, a couple a couple last questions. Um, yeah. So, what are kind of your big rocks for lifting? Are you a, more of a bi, you you tend to take more of a bilateral or unilateral uh, take on things, or like kind of what do you what's your your bag with that? Yeah. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is another thing. You know, I'm kind of, kind of working through myself right now. Um, same, you know, year same. seven in training, we're still we're still you know learning. I'm still learning every day. I'm still trying to focus on new things. Uh, so I have switched recently to a much more unilateral, gate-specific kind of approach to things for sure. Yeah, so I think the 
aside from just you know being specific in gait and where we want to get stronger what's which part of that we want to get stronger um i really like the triphasic stuff so I, i've been using that with our af- our off uh off-season athletes with some really really interesting and great results just having them uh, again i'm i'm working with a different age group right so some of my more trained athletes in that age group are, are getting the triphasic approach in their off-season training, which has been cool. Um, I'm not really sticking to 100% triphasic, but just the ideas of you know going through a phase of eccentrics, going through a phase of um, isometrics, if you want to call it that, going through a phase mm-hmm. of you know more concentric dominant um, high-speed stuff. So just going through those phases and layering those phases has been really cool to see some of the athletes. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm I'm starting to shift towards that unilateral <clears throat> side of things myself, uh, especially I just notice, and again, like with that right side dominance, like our adductor on the right side is just so concentrically oriented. Like if I can get, I know two things about it. Like this has kind of been my thought process, and I don't know if this is like something you've already thought of or something that might help like your, your journey on this, but um, – being so right side dominant and having that concentrically oriented adductor on that side, uh, doing some heavier loaded eccentric work is just, I've seen incredible benefits for myself and other people with that. And then on the flip side, knowing that I'm so right side dominant and most of us are getting into left stance and doing any sort of work, be it eccentric or concentric or whatever, but getting into proper true left stance and getting some of this heavy strength work has been just it's really changed like the structure of my left side in a positive way. That's really interesting. That's something I haven't really thought about the, you know, the dominance and then the contralateral aspects of what happens from that dominance. That's something I haven't really tapped into at all. I'll have to explore. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. That a lot. Yeah. It, it really, and this is something, if you get hop on the phone with Connor, man, he's got it all figured out. So, so yeah. um, he'll, he'll, he'll definitely yeah. set you straight, but I've really noticed like, that's a big deal, at least for me. Um, in my and I can and that's the great thing about the unilateral work. We can still load it heavy as fuck, you know. Yes, yes, for sure, for um, sure. But yeah, upper body wise, are you do you uh, what are you bench guy, dynamic effort, like mix it up, like what's kind of your your bag on that? Yeah, we do. Um, we do dynamic effort and max effort. We do both of those. We bench. Uh, we use the you know the cambered American bar a lot for nice. for people with you know grip issues or where it's not important um i think the the biggest thing for me with barbell work and i'm i don't know if i answered the question fully there jack i'm sorry if i did you're fine no no no, that's fine okay um but i think the the thing that that i i deal with with barbell work is some of these kids are going to be asked to do it in high school right so if i'm not the biggest believer in it myself i'm not saying i am or i am not uh i think it's case by case basis personally for me but I feel like I need to get them at least competent with a barbell if they're going to be asked to do yeah. it. So that's kind of a struggle that I have. I mean, I have my training program. I have my thoughts. But I also want these kids to be successful when they enter like a high school environment or even a lot of these colleges, which are heavy in the barbell and uh, some of these programs that I, I just want them to be able to handle this stuff, too. So that's a, that's something that I try to layer in. And I try to I, I honestly I struggle with that, too, um, when to, you know get them under the bar when to get them competent with the bar and how important is that for you know their high school yeah. career well it's such a crapshoot knowing what they're doing in their off time like i mean you might have you they some of them might be exposed to some really great programs 
Others yeah. might have nothing, and then others might have you know a, a sport coach that really doesn't know what they're doing. You know, it's just such a crapshoot. So I think that's I have, I have huge. every single one of those scenarios in my groups. Yeah, I, have every I would imagine you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have athletes who have amazing high school strength programs that well, when they come to me, we're just hitting speed and health, and it's amazing. And I have other kids who are asked to do highly highly aerobic activities as baseball players and it's just very confusing and we you know we try to counteract that as much as we can <laughs> i mean it's, uh, the aerobic system's great i guess it's logging miles baby Woo. <laughs> yeah great, great oh man power yeah. <laughs> so do you uh, this kind of gets onto your business side a little bit though do you um have you like established relationships with these kids like strength programs to get to know like what they're providing or do you just talk to the kids to figure that out i talk to the kids to figure that out um i I don't have a ton of people from the same area like everywhere everyone i have is from different spots different schools different high schools private schools public schools everything across the board so i get a mixed bag of everything i don't have like a real pipeline with any team or anything like that Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really truly get the kid, all the kids that want to get better. So they all understand that they need extra work, uh, with whatever they're doing. And, you know, some of the things that they might be doing in school might not be as individualized to them as I can make it. So that's, yeah. that's typically what I get. So I do just ask them kind of individually to keep me updated. And, you know, we have our program, we have our, our template set up, but you know, if there's something on there that they just did, you know, five sets of 10, at school, we're not going to obviously hit the same thing. So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we make those changes. We discuss it. You know, we'll talk about you know how, how they did at school that day, and it's not just doubling up on stuff that we think they need more of. It's just you know doing other things and helping them better and helping them helping them get yeah. better and move them along. Yeah, that's awesome, and I, I, that's cool that you get to kind of figure out the best way to consolidate stressors on a given day for your guys or your guys and girls. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. It's important, right? So I, I try to tell them you only get so much uh, so much water for the week, right? So don't spill your whole glass on Monday. It's, it's yeah. important to we got to spread that whole thing out throughout the week. No, nah, man, that's that's awesome. What what you're doing is I think very important uh, because you're you're looking at this in a lens that I don't think even a lot of collegiate and and pro coaches are necessarily looking at or again i I don't want to just say that as a blanket statement because everybody's got their own set of uh issues that they have to deal with and overcome to get the program the way that it needs to be but the fact that you've been able to kind of establish your own thing and do things your way and i think in a way that is really the the future of the way the business is going i think that's really awesome i appreciate that a lot it means a lot coming from you jack thank you for that I don't know about all that. <laughs> not, 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 I'm not all that special. Um, but but uh, yeah, last question for me. Um, your business, you said you've had it for a year now. You've done training for seven years. Uh, yep. For any young potential business owners out there or strength and conditioning coaches that want to do their own thing and break away from being attached to anyone and they want to they make their own name in this, what are maybe you know two or three pieces of advice you'd have for them and just how to get things rolling. Um, I'm actually I'm going to name drop someone else here. Uh, if you if you ever ask like Mike Wadango this question, if you're familiar with Mike, I actually am not. No. All right, so Mike oh, Wadango. Awesome. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. You yes, got to check him out if you're not yeah. familiar. Anyone who's listening, I know you know him, Jack. But uh, he'll tell you not to do it. Right? He would just say flat <laughs> out, "Don't do it." Um, I, I think my answer would be 
you have to want to love business too. Um, I had the benefit of having a really, I'm going to, geez, I'm just filling this up with name drops at this you're point. Good, I, really you're great, good. <laughs> I have a really great business mentor and Andy McCloy. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with Andy. Andy's but great. And, yeah. Yeah. Andy's amazing. So Andy explained to me right when I had this idea that you are going to have to be a business person from now on. Like the days of you being a trainer first are completely over. So as long as you're like reserved to that fact, and knowing that, okay, it's time to focus on business now, and I'm I'm good. At, I have all the skills that I need to be a good trainer. Yeah. You know, now I need to be a great business person. So it's kind of like relearning all the stuff you you learned about strength as like you know a business person now. So it's 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 knowing that you have to kind of put the training side of things in the rearview window a little bit is tricky, and I think that's like the very first step you should take. Knowing that, being comfortable with that. Um. Once you got into, so once you got into that mindset, um, what are some, well, like a couple things that changed for you? So some of the things that changed was just how, how you interact with people, you know, um, learning about, you know, what your body language tells people, learning about how to influence people, uh, how to, co- how to coach people differently. You know, you're coaching your own team now. You're not coaching someone else. Uh, you're coaching your trainers, you're coaching your staff. Um, and then just getting people, getting people to have, you know, the, the right mindset at all times and and your own team, the right mindset. So having them focus on their own relationships, having them focus on, you know, the important things in their lives to make them a better trainer. You know what I mean? Like that stuff's very important. Making yourself a better person will in turn make yourself a better business person, trainer, all the above. Yeah. So in, in five years, where's, where's Ryan Connor going to be? Oof. (laughs) That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. I'm a very, I'm, I'm someone who very much tries to stay present and in the moment. So that's a di- very difficult question for me. I would hope to have a larger space by then and have uh, some larger scale sessions, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also very much like where I'm at now, and I, I like having a small kind of almost like a lab environment, which is really cool for me. Yeah. Um, especially with the kids, they, they really enjoy, you know, these smaller sessions where we're, we're really focused and we're, you know, we're chopping the wood in there. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, man, that's, that's awesome. Again, I, I can't say it enough. You're, you're doing some really cool stuff there and I'm really excited to see, uh, where it goes to be honest with you. So, um, yeah. and hopefully, hopefully that. it just keeps going onward and upward, right? Yep. We can, hope. uh, so where, uh, where can the people find you? Yeah, so my gym is out here in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which is, you know, we're about 45 minutes outside of the city in Philly. Uh, Takeover Sports Performance and Fitness. Um, you can get me on Instagram, Coach R. Connor is my Instagram handle. And add me on Facebook too, Ryan Rowe Connor. Awesome, beautiful man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, and we'll have to get you back on in a little bit and see how things are going. Oh, for sure. Thanks for having me, Jack. It was an honor. Hey, absolutely, man.